Welcome to Improbable Walks, a podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we step into history by strolling down a different block of the city, exploring buildings and people of the past and of the present. Let's step into history together. Today, we're exploring a very short street, the Rue Saint-Benoît, in Saint-Germain-des-Prés, on the left bank in the 6th arrondissement. Today, this is quite a touristy neighborhood, although it's still important to students for its various school buildings here. But when I first moved to Paris in 1989, I know, that was a while ago, the Rue Saint-Benoît was a very quiet street. The corner of Boulevard Saint-Germain was noisy, of course, with the terrasse of the Café Fleur, and for many years my favorite French bookshop in the world, La Une, held down the corner facing the Fleur, just across Rue Saint-Benoît. But La Une was forced to move a few blocks away in 2015 and burn down in 2017, so it doesn't really exist anymore. However, back in June 1944, three philosophy students, Jacqueline Lemunier, Bernard Birbrandt, and Pierre Roustan, opened a bookshop on the nearby corner of Monsieur le Prince. The following year, as Paris moved into its post-war liberation period, Lemunier and Birbrandt got married, and the third of the philosophical triumvirate, Roustan, left for other projects. The bookshop La Une began to host art shows along with literary launches, and in 1949, La Une moved to the corner of Boulevard Saint-Germain and Rue Saint-Benoît. Gradually, its bookshops took increasing amounts of space from the gallery until the hoon on the corner was entirely books. I would browse there with delight, often meeting friends late at night because the shop kept very long hours in the 1990s. The Hoon design included a narrow sculptural staircase and mezzanine stuffed with art books, as well as the main floor devoted to fiction, philosophy, and poetry. I still sometimes have a sort of hallucination when I walk to this corner of Saint-Germain and the Rue Saint-Benoît, imagining that La Une has somehow come back. But the Rue Saint-Benoît did not have literary beginnings. Let's cast our minds way back to when this area was taken up by an abbey and its grounds. Saint-Germain, in fact, comes from this abbey. The word pré, as in Saint-Germain-des-Prés, actually means fields, Saint-Germain of the fields, because it was outside the city walls of Paris. And this cute little Rue Saint-Benoît, which runs from the busy Boulevard Saint-Germain only to the Rue Jacob, was originally merely a drainage ditch. Honestly, it wasn't much better than a sewer running along the defensive wall of the Abbey of Saint-Germain. 
Until 1640, Rue Saint-Benoît was actually called Rue de l'Égout, or Sewer Street. Of course, by the 20th century, the address had become a lot more glamorous and a lot more involved in student life. Let's start over here at number 5, Rue Saint-Benoît. In 1942, the writer Marguerite Durand moved into an apartment in this building, and this was her Paris address until her death in 1996. Like many people in North America, I first discovered the work of Marguerite Durand through the 1992 film The Lover. Durand won the prestigious French Goncourt Prize for this autobiographical novel about an illicit affair between a 15-year-old French girl and her wealthy Chinese lover, set in 1920s French colonial Saigon. A New York Times review of the movie said, The lover isn't exactly apocalypse now. As if the only way you can talk about politics, race, and class is by filming battlefields. Jura was much more interested in the personal and emotional repercussions of history, and her style was so severely stripped down while being simultaneously deeply poetic that in The Lover, in fact, none of the characters even have names. As I read more of Durha's work, I had no idea she was living around the corner from some of my favorite hole-in-the-wall cafes. In fact, until fairly recently, there were several quite dingy cafes in this neighborhood, old, reliable places for inexpensive steak frites lunches, places where you could nurse a single coffee for hours. Marguerite Girard was born in 1914 in what's now Vietnam, the child of two French teachers. She arrived in Paris at age 17 speaking French and Vietnamese, and she studied political science and law. In 1942, she and her new husband moved to this street here at number 5 Saint-Benoît, and their apartment was on the third floor, well, Americans would say fourth floor, and the windows gave onto the street. During the occupation, when Durand first moved in here, her little apartment on Rue Saint-Benoît was a crucial meeting spot for the resistance. Durand worked for the Vichy government in a paper quota office, which made her a useful connection for the underground. She worked for the resistance, joined the Communist Party, and became friends with future president François Mitterrand. After the war ended, her friends, heavyweight French literary figures such as Genet, Bataille, and André Malraux, flocked to the apartment to have long, rambling discussions about communism and philosophy. Durat gradually lost faith in communism. Instead, she spent her days writing fiction, and at night she cooked dinner for the guys. I used to feel offended on her behalf. I thought, this is ridiculous. Jura is a brilliant woman, and she's stuck in the kitchen while the male writers sit around smoking and talking here on Rue Saint-Benoît. But then I listened to what Jura herself said about those years. She seemed to believe it was a great use of her time to cook for and eat with her group of intellectual friends. And if I'm honest, cooking long dinners and having intense conversation accompanied by red wine, honestly, it's one of the things I've missed most in this past year's pandemic. I admire Jura for the way she rejects easy answers when she writes about love, death, racism, and cruelty. Maybe that's why her work still has so much to say. Her political commitment didn't dissolve at the end of World War II either.
During the political upheaval of the 1960s, Dura followed events in her former homeland. You see, what some people forget is that the Paris protests of May 1968 were very much related to the situation in Vietnam. The famous May 68 was actually triggered in March of 1968 when six French students on the National Vietnam Committee were arrested out at a suburban Paris university. In February 1968, the Tet Offensive had made headlines worldwide, and Vietnamese communists eventually occupied the U.S. Embassy in Saigon, which was a clear symbol that the U.S. was not going to win that war in Vietnam. This led into protests across the U.S. that led to race riots, and in Paris, students went in a more philosophical direction, protesting and calling for the outright rejection of the capitalist technocratic university. Now, of course, this is the neighborhood of Saint-Germain, and if you're a Parisian student and you want to call for the rejection of the capitalist technocratic university, you are going to go protest in the heart of the university district, which means in Paris you will be protesting in the Latin Quarter. And Boulevard Saint-Germain drives right through the Latin Quarter. So on May 3rd, 1968, students began gathering in front of the Sorbonne, and this location is not even a 10-minute walk from Marguerite Dura's front door here at number 5, Rue Saint-Benoît. So, of course, she walked over to the protest. The Sorbonne was surrounded by students and riot police. The university closed its doors, one of the rare times this has ever happened because of rioting. And on Monday, May 6th, in the Latin Quarter, the police attacked the marching students. In retaliation, students and supporters built barricades using whatever came to hand. Cobblestones, obviously, because they were in the street and available. But the students also used furniture and cars. By Monday night, there were 422 students arrested and 345 policemen injured. It was starting to look a lot like open warfare on Boulevard Saint-Germain if you've seen some of the pictures from that era. Marguerite Dura was appalled. She was strongly on the side of the students. Her reaction was to go into the street and take notes because she believed that police brutality needed to be witnessed and spoken about. But the government-controlled media distorted what was broadcast about the, bro about the protests. Within the week, trade unions of all stripes had joined the students. At least 200,000 people, and perhaps as many as a million, poured into the streets of Paris. By then, Marguerite Dura had created a lasting slogan for the protesters. Il est interdit d'interdire. It is forbidden to forbid. This slogan went on to become a rallying cry and even a tag in a TV show. And several men have since taken credit for it. But most people believe that Dura first wrote the line. Nowadays, when we walk through the streets of the Latin Quarter, when we turn off Boulevard Saint-Germain and go down Dura's old street of Saint-Benoît, everything seems very calm, expensive, chic, but back in 1968, there were even more students here. This was the heart of the intelligentsia. And there were also a wide variety of working families living here, cheek by jowl, in these historic, beautiful streets. 
Looking back at the events of May 1968, the writer Jura said 1968 failed, but it was a fantastic step forward for the ideas of the left. You just have to try these things, even if they're made to fail. Even failed, these are the only ones that will advance the revolutionary spirit, the way poetry moves love forward. Today, if you walk down the Rue Saint-Benoît, here to number five, you'll find Marguerite Duras' former home really easily. Not only is there a plaque dedicated to her, more importantly, there is graffiti because fans keep writing quotes and messages to her on the wall. If we go back up the street to the corner of Boulevard Saint-Germain, we of course find ourselves in front of the Café Fleur. This café has been attracting literary customers since its beginnings in the late 1880s. Poet Guillaume Apollinaire hung out at the Café Fleur in the early teens of the 20th century. He was known to keep regular office hours at a café table here, often meeting fellow poets such as surrealist writers André Breton and Louis Aragon. Some say the three writers actually invented the word surrealist here, on the terrace of Café Fleur in 1917. Today, this corner of Rue Saint-Benoît is near several wonderful bookshops that continue to thrive, including L'Ecume des Pages, an excellent literary bookshop. So if you step a couple of doors west of Café Fleur on the Boulevard Saint-Germain, you'll find yourself in front of L'Ecume des Pages. I really love the shop's name because, in fact, L'Ecume des Pages translates to the froth of pages, froth like the bubbling of water or milk, or to be impassioned and in a froth, Ecume. So I really think it's a great name for a bookshop and is a great nod to all the literary discussions that have occurred in the Café Fleur. If you keep walking another two minutes further west on Boulevard Saint-Germain before the end of the block, you'll see the Pocket Park Square Taras Shevchenko, which is attached to the Ukrainian church. It's on the site of a former cemetery, and while the little park is a pleasant place to pause, the literary story here is really worth the name. There's a small monument dedicated to the poet Taras Shevchenko, He's worth remembering. Shevchenko was born a serf in 1814 in Ukraine. He worked as a house slave in St. Petersburg, where his master recognized his drawing talent and apprenticed him out to a painter. One of his portraits won a competition, allowing him to buy his own freedom when he was 24 years old. Then he went to art school, began writing and publishing anti-Tsarist poetry, and eventually found himself arrested in Kiev. He was sent into military exile under harsh conditions in northern Russia, which destroyed his health. One of the conditions of his service was that he was forbidden to write or draw. However, Shevchenko managed to smuggle poems out, kept a journal, apparently hidden in his boot, and wrote novellas in Russian. His poems were written in Ukrainian, another reason for his harsh sentence. In 1857, after a decade of enforced military service, he was finally released, though constantly watched by the authorities. He lived barely four more years and died at the age of 47. But today, his work is remembered for its groundbreaking Ukrainian nationalism. 
His poems were suppressed by Russian and later Soviet authorities for the better part of a century, and yet his reputation has been sustained by translations of his work appearing in the West. It seems somewhat random to have a square named for this great Ukrainian poet here in the center of Paris, but it does fit with the politicized literary history of Boulevard Saint-Germain. Shevchenko's memorial statue is here in the little square, and it's the site where Ukrainians in Paris gather to celebrate Ukrainian independence and other important events. To finish this walk, I would recommend stopping into the Café Le Rouquet, right near this little pocket park. Le Rouquet at 188 Boulevard Saint-Germain is a less famous but equally literary café of the boulevard. Until his death in 2003, this was the favorite café of Ted Jones, the black American beat poet who often passed through Paris. Jones is famous for his statement, Jazz is my religion and surrealism is my point of view. And while the Rouquet isn't as well known as the Café Fleur, it's a magnificent place to contemplate literature and the meaning of life. I prefer to do this over a Café Liégeois, which is vanilla or coffee ice cream topped with an espresso and whipped cream. But the Rouquet has all the usual drinks if you prefer to order something hot or something alcoholic. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to this podcast. For details about today's walk, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. You'll find further information, links, and photographs relating to the walk. Thank you so much for listening and for stepping into history with me. Until next time, we go strolling through Paris together.